We're going to continue in our series. We've been talking about the timeline of end times. We've talked about the rapture, the end times, the tribulation. Today, I want to go over a different topic that's still within that time frame. In that context, I want to talk about the, the two judgments. Now, don't get quiet on me, because you're not in trouble. And I want to keep coming back to a, a key verse. And media team is going to be the last one on my list. I just changed everything on you. So Ephesians chapter 2, let me write it over here. I'm going to write it real big. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. What does that say? Oh, 8. Yeah, I did that right. 8 through 11. Okay. Ephesians 2, 8 through 11. Read it with me. 1, 2, 3. Go, for it is by grace you have been saved. Hey, let's do this again. We're all going to work on this together. You ready? Participation. No, it was there. I saw it. Don't, don't be lying on those people. Okay, here we go. Ready? 1, 2, 3, go. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest Keep reading, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance. Now, I wanted you to notice, if maybe you did, maybe you didn't, this word, and it gets really confusing in the global church world, but notice how that word works is referenced two times. The first verse King James translation says, we are saved by grace, we are saved, you're not going to work, we're saved by grace through faith, not of, not of works. So we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, which means we don't earn our salvation. We don't work to earn it. That gets confusing if you don't understand the context of the two judgments. Because people will read a verse and read it out of context and say, well, see, it tells me we need to work this thing. And you can work and try to be a good person, but good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people. We're saved by grace through faith, not of works. It's by grace through faith. But then some people will stop there. Oh, I'm saved by grace through faith. I prayed that prayer. I know I'm going to heaven. Now I'll just cruise in life, and whatever God wants me to have, he'll just bring it aboard, and whatever he doesn't, it'll just disappear, and I won't. But if you keep reading the next verse, it says, listen, God has prepared works for us to do in advance. And then we come back to this word works. But we're not saved by works. But God has some works for you to do. So what's the point of it? One of the things we've always drawn attention to is that we don't love people to work it up so that we can say we're a good person or that we're saved. You don't do uh, benevolent things. You don't do, you don't pray for people because you're trying to work and get enough works to say that you're saved or to get God to love you. We live in a society that almost has dictated that subconsciously into us, that I'll love you when you do what I tell you to do. 
And when you don't do what I tell you to do, I no longer love you. And we've carried that into the kingdom of God. But God loves you regardless. But we don't do these works so God will love us. We do it because he, we already have received his love. We don't do it to be saved. We do it because we're already saved. And it flows out from us. So I don't love somebody trying to impress God or trying to be a Christian. We love people because we are Christians. So it's not to achieve, it's to flow from. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. So this word works keeps coming into play. There are two different types of judgments. Okay? We're going to go over the second one. We'll back up. The, the first, or the second one we're going to talk about is called the great white throne judgment. Are you with me? This one a lot of people are familiar with. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. Verse 12. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, the death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. So the lake of fire is what? The second death. The first death is when you move from this dimension into eternity. The second death is if you're judged and you go to the lake of fire. When you're saved, you don't have to worry about the second death. And there were, the sea gave up its death, and the death and the grave gave up their dead, and all, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then the death and the grave were thrown in the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the key phrase there. The book of life. If your name's not in the book of life. In, there's the, in the passage there, it refers to works. If the, if the criteria for heaven and salvation is your name in the book of life, why go over the works? I bet there's a shorter trip wherever he's going. <laughs> he's got to reprogram his nav. If there's, why reference works? And I believe what's happening here is when they stand before the great white throne judgment, when they stand before the great white throne judgment, many people that haven't heard the gospel will be like, I've been a good person. Have you ever witnessed to somebody and their thing is, I'm a good person, God should let me in? And I think out of God's mercy, he's going to say, let me show you your works. Let me show you your life. Let me show you what you've done. And let me show you where you've missed the mark. Because at the end of the day, salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. And people will struggle and they'll strive 
to earn salvation and miss the mark because salvation's not earned, it's received by grace through faith. That's exciting for all of us. That's a wake-up call for everyone. And the Bible tells us that we're to be called to reconcile people back to God, to let them know that God loves them. That's what John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, would not perish but have everlasting life. And it goes on to say, but God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. Get the big picture. We're not walking around telling people they're sinners going to hell. They were already condemned. The message should be, you're automatically going to hell and God sent Jesus to save you from that. Not to make your life harder, to make your life better. And you'll hear people say, oh, there should be other ways. But there isn't. There's only one way to, the, to God. There's only one way. There's only one name given that man should be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. And you can spend your whole life trying to be perfect, but it won't work. Because in the law, which was literally, the Bible says, and Paul tells us, that the law in the Old Testament was a tutor. What does a tutor do? It helps you along, teaches you brings you to the rec- recognition. What was the law supposed to do? To bring people to the reality that no matter how hard they tried, they would always need a savior. Yes. Because if you broke one of the laws, one of the commandments, you are in violation of all the commandments. Right. So if you lied once, you, are in, you have broken all the commandments. I didn't kill anybody, but you lied. And if you broke one sin, it's, it's a done game. It, the game's over. You don't get, you know what I mean? It, it's like you've been red carded in soccer. You know what I mean? You're out. It's, you've been kicked out. But I didn't do this. Yeah, but you did that. And the game's over for you. There's no more second chance. And the law, the purpose of the law was to get man in his own mindset to stop thinking, I can do it on my own. I can earn it. I can be righteous with God in my own success and my own achievements and my own discipline. And you can't. And maybe you've been told that your whole life and you struggle under the weight of, I'm trying to be good enough for God to love me. God already loves you. But you will never be good enough in your own works because salvation is by grace through faith. That's an amazing story for all of us. So when you go to judge somebody or look into their life and say, man, their their life's all jacked up, you got to realize your life would be all jacked up if it wasn't for by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through faith. And so the great white throne judgment, everything, this is actually not to get too down this uh, path too much. This is the, the end of all the resurrection. This is everybody who's ever died that, that have not gone and been resurrected and stood before the other judgment seat. This is all the people whose names not written in the Lamb's book of life and they stand before the great white throne judgment one at a time before God. And you know what? When you stand before God, you're no longer an atheist. You're no longer an agnostic. I'm reminded of a story of a guy who was doing a debate. He was a, a pastor, and he was doing a debate at a secular university with an atheist. And so the atheist had a chance. He said, I'll let you go first. 15 minutes on why God doesn't exist, and then it was going to be his turn. So he did, uh, the atheist went and spoke 
very intelligent person. You know, I mean, just because someone doesn't believe in Jesus doesn't mean they're ignorant or dumb. They're blinded, the Bible says, but it doesn't mean they're an idiot. They could be educated but still blinded. And so he spent 15 minutes on why God doesn't exist. And so after he got done, uh, it was the, the minister's turn, and he said, he basically kind of warmed the guy up by complimenting him, saying, wow, that's amazing. You're a very smart person. And he goes, thank you. I'm very highly educated. He goes, I can tell. He goes, let me ask you a question. And he had a, he had a board, and he said, if this circle was all the knowledge of the world, anything that could be known, of all information, how much of that circle do you think you actually know yourself? And the guy took it and said, oh, I probably know about that much. And he was like, wow, that's impressive. You know a lot of, you have a lot of knowledge. And he said, yeah, I do. And he goes, let me ask you one more question before I go any farther with my 15 minutes. Of all the knowledge, you know a whole bunch of it. Is there a possibility that the knowledge of God could be over here and you have yet to experience it? And the guy said, it could be possible. And he said, you're no longer an atheist. Because he's yet to experience God. In his world, he had never experienced God, so God doesn't exist. But when you came to the place of, hey, do you recognize that you don't know everything, that there is something you don't know, then there is a possibility that God's still there and you are yet to meet him. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. So anyone's name not written or not found in the book of life, and there's several books, by the way, that's an interesting study, I encourage you to do it. Several books the Bible refers to and the books were open. But if your name's not written, now just on a side note, a curious for those who like to study, there's no scripture that refers to the act of writing someone's name in the book of life. But there are scriptures of people's names being blotted out of the book of life. What does that mean? I'll let you figure that out in your own time. I'm not here to feed you everything. Now the second one is called this, we'll change colors. Why? Just because it makes it fun. This is called the judgment. Seat of Christ. Have you heard of this before? This too has also been very confusing in the church world. Comes out of, let me give you a few verses. Romans 14, verse 10. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We shall all stand. Say, we shall all stand. We don't stand before the great wine throne judgment. And this happens at the end. After the end of the millennium, the devil's released for a short period of time. He rallies armies of the people that are still on the earth against God. They try to attack uh, Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, from the fire of the throne of God comes down and wipes them all out, and then everybody that is dead comes before the throne. This is an earlier judgment. We, 
referring to Christians, we, you and I, will stand, not before the great white throne judgment because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're going to stand before another one, the judgment seat of Christ. But I think what gets misunderstood is what that is all about. In fact, because in some people they'll be like, oh, you better be afraid because when you get here, everything you've ever done is going to be judged before Jesus. Everything you've ever said. And there are scriptures that are talking about our words and our actions. But you have to take into context the whole passage of the New Testament. Because Romans 8 tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. 1 John 1 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Psalms 103 tells us that when we repent, that He will take our sins and move it far from behind Himself, that will never be seen, it'll never be seen again. The blood of Jesus eliminates our past sins. And so if you don't understand that, what you'll do is you'll start looking at the, the judgment seat of Christ as, oh no, I have said and done some stuff. I am not looking forward to that. I'm afraid of that. But they misunderstand. When the blood of Jesus has dealt with that, God's not bringing it up. That doesn't mean you can go out and live any way you want and just do a quick prayer because repentance is more than just a quick prayer and greater than just a, a, a loud cry or a tear. Repentance is a heart conversion, a change in conviction by the Holy Spirit, and a change of life. When you say, I'm never going to do it again, God, I'm sorry, and then tomorrow you do it again, and I'm never going to do it again, God, I'm sorry, and you're really not sorry, you're just trying to make sure you clean up the mess. Because some people, it's not that they want to live differently, they just don't want the conviction. They don't want the problems to their actions, the consequences. But the truth is, God said, listen, I'm going to I'm going to have this judgment seat of Christ that I'm going to bring everyone who's saved, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But it's not a judgment seat of condemnation. In fact, the word used in the original text is called Bema, the Bema seat of Christ. The word judgment is not in the original text. But the translators felt like, oh, this is what it is. And so they, they wrote the word judgment. And when you think of judgment, you think of being judged and you feel you're going to be guilty and punished. And again, challenge everything I say. My goal is not to convince you. My goal is to get you to pray about it, search it out. But I'm telling you, the word bema, the word judgment is not in the Bible, it's in that verse the word bima is used. And bima is not a place where losers are condemned. It said we will all stand before the bima seat of Christ. We'll not be crawling. We'll not be begging. We'll be standing. And the word, the word bima comes out of this context that is used. And the best way I would come out of the Roman context, but the best way that I, I could say that we see it in our own lives is like during the Olympics. When someone wins a race, what do they do? They go stand on the podium, platform, pedestal. And that's what it's referring to. They're going to be, actually what's happening is an evaluation and a determination of your reward. 
Did you realize that? So you can get in heaven, and there's levels of reward in heaven. Most people think, if I got in, that's all I need. But there is levels of reward, levels of, of responsibility, levels of access. We see that played out in several different areas. One is a parable. When the, the master, Jesus given the parable, the master gave uh, this money, and he gave it to three servants. They came back and said, what do you do? And the guy said, I turned my five and a ten. My two, the other two to four, one says, I kept it, hit it, didn't lose it. The one was punished. He lost it. Gave it to the guy who had ten now. But then and the one parable says, enter into the joy of the Lord. I'll make you ruler over ten cities. Amen. To the one that turned two into four, I'll make you a ruler over four cities. See, a lot of people think, and again, we're getting into this area a little bit of grace. A lot of people think when you get to heaven, you're just going to float around. Ooh. Or that you'll be an angel that it's like a baby with a harp. Listen, let me help you out. There are no harp baby angels in heaven. It doesn't work that way. And you will never be an angel. For you to be an angel would be like saying that your dog's going to one day be a cat. It's not going to happen. There's levels and tiers of angelic beings, intelligent life created by God for specific purposes. Amen. Guardian angels, warring angels, cherubim, seraphims, worshiping angels. There's all kinds. More than even we'll know until we get to heaven. But when you get to heaven, you're not just going to float around and do nothing. No, there's reward. In fact, Paul says, I don't want you to lose your full reward. Check it out. Check it out. Which tells us that we could actually get to heaven and not receive our full reward. The word bema there, again, is referring to evaluation and designation. It's a platform that receives reward. That's why in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 24, Paul tells us to run the race as to win it. Don't run the race just, I'm glad I'm here. Everybody's laughing you, and you're like, mm, well, at least I don't have to sweat. I'm in the race. I'm in the race. I'm in the game. I'm in the game. No, God says, run the race. Hebrews 12 tells us, run the race set before us. Run it. Run it to win. Live your life with the understanding that there is an assignment that God has given you. We go back to the works, to the works that he has preordained for you to do. God wants you to do something. God wants you to reach someone. God wants you to have something. He wants you to achieve something. And it doesn't have to match anybody else around you. Our problem is we start, if we don't know, we'll, we don't want to wait on God to find out, and we'll just adopt any idea come down, that comes down the road. Oh, they're doing that. I like that. I'm going to do that too. But if God didn't tell you to do that too, you don't want to do it. Oh, I really love this person. I'm going to reach them. But if God didn't assign you to reach them, pray for them. And pray, the Bible says, that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into their path. Some people you need to be praying for. Some people you need to be reaching out to. How do I know? Let the Holy Spirit show you. Amen. Let him place it on your heart when you're supposed to do it. In fact, one of your, one of your common prayers should be, good morning, Jesus. I'm here, I'm available, let me do what you want me to do. Show me what to do. I'll do whatever you show me. Make it clear to me. I miss it a lot, God, I understand that. But at my level, show me, make it clear. Who you, let me be a blessing to people. 
Most people wake up and say, God, I'm awake. Bless me, bless me, bless me. I'm to change your world totally. If you wake up and say, God, I'm awake. Use me to bless others, bless others, and begin to have the perspective of who can I reach today? Who can I be a blessing to today? Ministry doesn't start and stop in this confinement of a church service. This is just when we all come together and celebrate what God's been doing and encourage each other. And iron sharpens iron, and then we go out into the highways and byways, and we become available for God to use us at our level, at, at where God leads us. It might be praying for people, witnessing people. It might be something that seems so insignificant as giving a child a glass of cold water. But Jesus says that if you do it, I see it and I'll reward you. Amen. The reward process is all throughout heaven I'm, and all throughout the word of God. Jesus talks about just don't store up treasures on earth. Do things that store up treasures in heaven. Amen. Well, I don't need rewards. I just need to get to heaven. Well, you might get to heaven and say, oh man, if I would live my life for Jesus. And listen, let me help you out. Living your life for Jesus doesn't mean you're in full-time ministry. If God didn't call you to full-time ministry, you don't want the gig. I'm just telling you. Because to whatever God assigns you, he equips you. And that equipping enables you to do not only do well, but without being overwhelmed by it. Well, I'm going to do this because it looks exciting. I know somebody who did it, and I like what they're, I'm impressed with them. I'm going to follow in their footsteps. You need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You know I mean? Admire what people have done, but don't compete against it. Don't be jealous of it. Don't copy it. Learn from them. Learn from the idea of God spoke to me, or this word came alive, and I gave my life to God and obeyed him. But don't learn from... He did this X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to copy X, Y, and Z. You might not be at the same destination. You might not be going to the same destination. I could say, hey, I'm going to drive to Florida, and so I'm going to get on this highway. Well, it all depends. If you didn't start in St. Louis, you don't want to follow the same directions. Why? Because you're not going to end up at the same place. God uses and starts with you where you're at today. The devil will condemn you about what you haven't done or how far you haven't reached or why, oh, it's, you started so late. Don't let that ever be the concern. Let the concern be, today is the day the Lord has made. Lord, today I'm gonna start. Today I'm gonna put my hand to the plow. Today I wanna be used by you. Show me what to do today. What can I do today? The devil say, oh, you, can, you can't do much. You don't have to do much. You just have to obey what God shows you to do, and he can take the little and do much with it. Amen. Talk to the little boy who had a lunch. Talk to the little boy who had a lunch. So it is a place, the Bema Seed is a place of evaluation and designation to define your reward. Even Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race, and now there's a reward waiting for me. When we begin to live our lives, and there's a balance here. The church back in many, many years ago, it was all about when I get to heaven. But they didn't understand that God wanted you to have some stuff on earth. Because that gave you an opportunity to use it to propel the gospel. 
But then all of a sudden, we've gone so far that we talk all about the victories that God wants us to have on earth. And people have lost sight that what you do here impacts there. And there is a, you are running a race for an audience of one. And he wants to reward you. Jesus said, I come and my reward is with me. Hmm. Where's that at? Look it up. I'm not doing all the work for you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, New Living says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will, be, we will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. There is an evaluation. There is a reward. But what if it says evil there too, Pastor? What about that? What happens if there's evil or things that God didn't ask you to do or things that you just did for whatever reason? Let's look at another verse. 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 13. Notice the process, what happens. For their work will be shown for what it is. Can you imagine? Everything you've done, everything you compiled, everything you achieved, you bring to heaven. And you put it before the throne of God. Put it before the beam of seat. And God says, let's evaluate. Because we need to evaluate what you've done to recognize and reward you for what you've done. Okay, I'm so proud. I did this and this and that and this. And I, and I did this and I'm so proud of that one. And this is really good. Check this out. Make sure you... And God said, here's how we're going to do it. I'm not just going to look at it. We're going to submit it to fire. You're going to do what? We're going to put it through the fire. Notice, it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. For if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. So they're not punished, they're just not rewarded. It's the absence of the reward. They will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though it's only as one escaping through the flames. Wow. So the Bema seat is a reward system. And God said, okay, I see everything you've built. Let's apply it to fire and see what we can reward you accordingly. And here's another side story, or another side study, I should say, in your own time. The Bible talks about different crowns or different rewards. Check it out. Talks about the clothing of people in heaven being different based on the rewards. Check it out. Jesus said, Many will come to me in those days, say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we pray for the sick? Didn't we do all these mighty, wonderful works? And he said, I will tell them, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. That verse used to really bug me because some of those things are what we believe in doing. You're like, okay, those are good things. Why would you say that? And there's two, two thoughts that come out of that passage. One is, he said, I, didn't, I don't know you. That's why we encourage people. It's a relationship over a religion because right. you can do all the outward expression and be empty inward. 
Jesus said it this way to the Sadducees and Pharisees. On the outside, you look like you got it figured out and you have life. But on the inside, you're dead men's bones. There's no life. What is relationship over religion? You walk out the actions because of the life and revelation on the inside. Are you perfect? No. No one is but Jesus. Do you, do you make some mistakes? Yes, everybody does. Do you sin? Yes, that happens. And when you do, you don't live in sin. The Bible says you can't live in sin if you know him. Because his seed, his DNA, his nature is on the inside. But if you sin, 1 John 1, 9, we repent and confess our sins, and he's faithful and just. But what do we do? We walk this thing out of, out of a real relationship. That's why I say salvation is one of the greatest miracles. It's not sign a club, work to be a better person, help me be more disciplined. It's about I have a real relationship. I know him. Secondly, he said, you workers of iniquity, and at first glance, you will look at those things and say, see, we don't need to do any of those things. Those are bad. Jesus said they were bad, but they're missing the point. The bigger picture is actually that work of iniquity is the word where we come, where we get the word wicker, wicker furniture, something that's wicked. It's a twisting. What was he saying? You did all these things. One, the Living Translation says it this way, you who did un authorized works it wasn't the works per se is that God never asked them to do those works they just did works because in their mind they thought the more good works I do it's going to make God smile and God loves you already and he's smiling and he knows your heart but when we have to understand we got to pull back because the devil will try to overwhelm you sometimes to do works that God never asked you to do and people are doing works just so they can show people they're doing works so that they can look good in front of people and their motives are wrong. And the reality is God wants to say, listen, I want you to do what I've authorized you to do. Yeah. Oh, I did all this. But did God ask you to do it? If the Lord didn't place it on your heart to do it, then why are you doing it? Because sister so-and-so or, or elder so-and-so told me, here's the 20 things I have to do. Well, what if the elder so-and-so was wrong? Challenge everything with the Word of God. Challenge everything I say with the Word of God. Jesus said, listen, you who did unauthorized works, you didn't care about a relationship, you just cared about looking good in front of people and not being good in front of me. And you want to see a great example of that? Saul and David in the Bible. Saul disobeyed God. David disobeyed God and had an affair. When the prophets, when the prophet Samuel went to Saul, Saul, instead of saying, I am wrong, he tried to justify it, and then people were coming. And he said, prophesy like everything's good because people are listening. He was so more into the perspective of his identity than the reality of his condition and identity. Folks, we live in a very interesting world. We have, we have literally somehow educated and made people like they have an MBA in marketing at the age of eight. Everything's brand and imagery. Our social accounts are all about perspective and appearances. What we want people to think about us. And we work hard and we, kids and teenagers and adults are, can stress out about their perception of others, how they see them. And they work hard to have a certain perception. And the problem with that is not that you don't, looking good in front of people, everybody has that, we deal with that, I get that. 
But the reality is when it becomes such a priority that you don't care about reality or what's the condition of your heart and your life on the inside, you just want to make it look like you have it. Common phrase, you just fake it until you make it. And that's a dangerous ground. I'm not saying you need to, if you're going through a hard time, you need to tell everybody. No, I'm saying that, listen, be real with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, it's just not, I'd rather have somebody that you can see, man, they don't have it together, but they're striving, they're working on it, but on the inside, they have a clear conscience with God. Versus people that know they're not right and they don't care, they just want everybody to believe that they've got it all figured out. And they're trying to do it through works that God never authorized. And what happens to works that God never authorized? At the beam of seat, if you're saved, it doesn't last. God says, I appreciate you doing that, but I didn't ask you to do that. What lasts is what we do out of obedience to the will of God. Not out of convenience. Not out of popularity. Will God ask you to do stuff that is not easy? Absolutely. Will God lead you to a destiny that it doesn't seem like everything's just flowing and making it easy? Absolutely. Talk to Israel. Every promised land, there was a giant or there's enemy or there's armies that they had to deal with. Sometimes we think that the path of God should be the place of least resistance like water. I'll just do whatever comes and goes and everything's easy. It's no big deal. No, we need to find the mind of God and say that's the mountain I'm going because that's where God told me. If God tells you to climb the mountain, I'm going to show you something. Climb the mountain. Because it's about obeying him in every area of our lives. And don't let the devil mess with your brain that now you start overanalyzing every area of your life. That, that's the tactic of the enemy to stress you out. You know what you do? The Bible says let the peace of God be an umpire to you in every situation, New Living Translation, in every question that arises in your mind in that peaceful state. Just pray, Lord, get it, make sure that relationship, there's peace in your spirit, and say, Holy Spirit, you show me, show me, make it clear to me. And I, because I want to stay in your peace, I want to stay in your perfect will, I don't want to copy, compete, and compare, I don't want to imitate other people, I want to do what you want me to do, I want to do the assignment you call me to do, because at the end of the day, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. I'm going to reward you at the Bema seat. It's a great experience. If you're living your life for the Lord, if you agree with that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for the next 30 seconds. Let me read Ephesians 2 one more time. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want us to pray a little different prayer today, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to take a moment and just say, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, right where you're at, your own, your way, your space. Right where you at, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you. But right now, I want to pray for every person in the sound of my voice that you might be wondering, am I in alignment with God's assignment for my life? 
One of the phrases in my own prayer time God gave me that I, I quote and speak and pray on a regular basis is that today I am putting into action the plans of God. We need to, including myself, we, we need to wake up and say, Lord, I've, today I want to put into action your plans, not my agenda, not my plans. It doesn't mean you don't go to work. You, you do what you need to do. But in the process of things, God, you are so important. I want to make sure I'm in alignment with your assignment for my life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This is not a prayer for salvation. This is a prayer of commitment and dedication. This is not for the unsaved. This is for those who are saved that want to go to the next level. They say, I just don't want to be a baby Christian and just hope it all works out. I want to know. I just, I don't want to get to the, the be in a seat and find out that I've lived my whole life doing stuff that was never asked of me and it's all burned up and I, I make it into heaven but I miss out on all the rewards that God had for me. We want you to get to heaven and we want you to know that you're not only walking in through those pearly gates but you have access to the full reward that, has, that your heavenly father has for you because you've gotten into alignment with his assignment for your life. If that's you, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, if there's any sin in my heart or life, I repent. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me. Say, Father, I want to do your will. I want to be in alignment with your assignment for my life. Help me. Teach me, show me, Holy Spirit, how to stay on track. I shake off all the stuff that I have picked up along the way that you've never asked me to do. And I begin to become strategic in my thinking. Anoint me today. Empower me today. Teach me today to do your will. Thank you, Father. I confess, starting today, I am in alignment with your assignment for my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Do you receive anything from that today? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not a, your life is not a waste of time. The years you have left is not something just to be burned. It, you have an assignment. You have a purpose. You have a, there is a reason for you to be on this earth in these last days. Don't let the devil tell you, just hold on and try to survive it so you can cross over. No, wake up each day with the hope and the excitement that this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Why? Because God can and wants to use you. You could be, you say, I don't know anybody. Stay home praying for people. Do what God shows you to do. But every day, Every day you have an opportunity to fulfill the will of God. Like Jesus said, I haven't come to do my will but the will of the Father.
Why? Because you're not living this life for yourself. You're living for him. And one day, like Paul says, if you live like that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the strength of his word, by his ability, not yours, when you draw from him, but one day you'll be like Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my race. And now there is laid up for me in heaven a reward that God has for me and everyone, he says, who faithfully serves him. We can think in our mind, the devil can convince us we get by with stuff, but you don't. God sees everything. If there's sin, just quickly repent. Get back on track. I like that phrase. That's not even my notes. Say it again. Say, I'm in alignment with God's assignment for my life. You can gain the whole world, but you lose your soul. What's the benefit? What's the profit? It's not bottom line. You come out negative. If you live your life for Jesus at the end of the day, because one day there's rewards on this side of eternity. Don't misunderstand. But one day, my friend, we're going to be before the seed of Jesus to be rewarded. One day we're going to be blown away at the level of rewards that he has for each and every one of us. It will blow your mind. Eye has not seen, the Bible says, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he reveals them to us by his spirit. God wants us to receive stuff on this side, absolutely. But don't live your life thinking it's only about this side. Because if you live only for this side, if something didn't work out just like you thought it should work out, you'll want to quit. Well, I did X, Y, and Z, and I didn't get that. Well, maybe there's something in the mixture you didn't see yet. Keep obeying God, and he'll show you the process. But at the end of the day, as a believer, as a Christian, you might be 92 years old and think you only got a week's left. I'm telling you, fight the good fight of faith, and when you come to the end, you'll cross over. And when you cross over, you're not going to be tired and old and 92 and in pain and struggling you're going to cross over and say I feel alive I'm awake I feel better than I've ever felt in my life eternity is real eternity is real let's live in alignment with this assignment because one day we will be rewarded amen